0: Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina. I'm so happy to welcome Dawn Foster on here today. She's the owner of D Foster Marketing and um, is a marketing strategist with a lot of great experience and I think a lot of really valuable knowledge to share with us today. So thanks for coming on, Dawn.
1: No problem. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah. um, I'm excited to talk to you. I think, um, I mean, let's start. I always want to hear just about your business journey first. Like where did you actually, how did you actually get started with your own business? Um, And, you know, you can tell us as much as, as much as makes sense of just like your marketing background in general, whatever led up to starting your business and how you kind of got into it. Sure.
1: So it's, it's been one of those zigzag journeys Mm-hmm. um the shortest way to tell the story is I started my career on the design side of things mm-hmm. um I was a graphic designer art director uh, I got my degree in graphic design communications with a focus in marketing oh cool and earlier in my career someone introduced to me how numbers and spreadsheet and data comes into play with marketing. And that was a spark for me. I'm one of those people where I consider myself a creative, but I also love spreadsheet and numbers. I've said that if I hadn't had, if I hadn't started my career in advertising and marketing, I'd probably be an accountant which mm-hmm. is weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like usually people are like very much one sided like the kind of the creative or the numbers kind of and yeah. most people that I talk to who do who are in like kind of marketing focused fields are like would never want to be an accountant. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I'm I'm one of those people that love both and with my business I'm able to bring both together. Mm -hmm. Uh, I started my business in 2018 on actual paper and I was still working at my full-time job and I was really just serving people who needed a consultant taking projects just here and there, Mm -hmm. but I am one of those people that went full-time entrepreneurship at the top of covid You know, it's interesting when people get puppies at COVID, they're COVID puppies. I don't know (laughs) if COVID is a thing. Uh, Let's go ahead and make it a thing. I'm a COVID entrepreneur full time. I got a call in February right before things popped off and someone said that they needed a consultant full time, which would require me to step away from my corporate position. Mm -hmm. And I decided to do it. So the train was moving. The stay at home came into play as I was transitioning out of my corporate job, and wow. now here I am, full time entrepreneur.
0: Wow, That's
1: fortunate! Sounding. You know, yes, it was it was great timing for me because in that transition, I was there just long enough to have my team transition them into the work into work from home. And make sure they were all set up with the new changes. So I transitioned out of my corporate position into full time entrepreneurship. And I already had a client to start. So that was phenomenal.
0: And since then, I've just been taking on clients. Amazing. Yeah. I love that it happens naturally like that. And it was like you ended up having people who were interested in working with you, and it kind of ramped up. Naturally, until it just made sense for that to be your full time thing, and people keep coming to you. That's yeah. that's very similar to how I started my business back in the day. So, and I feel like it was like it's kind of like the best of all worlds because it's not like taking a huge leap in the same way that sometimes people talk about in starting their business, which can feel I know it can sound so scary and feel hard to do. I feel like yeah, it's I perfect.
1: I a hundred percent agree that huge leak can be scary, but I had a safety net. I had clients out of the gate, which made it a lot easier for me.
0: Yeah, totally. So what I'm curious, like going from kind of like a corporate background and having like a team and everything else, you know, like which things did you kind of take from that experience and which things did you leave or decide not to kind of bring with you to your, when you're doing marketing for clients and like just running your own business? Cause I feel like that's such a different like environment and atmosphere than, you know, solo entrepreneurship, as I imagine you at least were when you first got started or even, you know, building up a small agency yourself. And I'm always curious, like which things people want to take with them from that experience, which things you are like, I'm definitely doing this, you know, differently or going to do this my own way. Is there anything like that, that comes to mind? Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes. <laughs> one of the things that do it my own way is probably one of the bigger things that I'm now able to do as an entrepreneur. When in a corporate position, I always represented someone else, another brand. Mm-hmm. So there was still there it's who I used to call worked on But now, I'm me. I can show up 100% myself. I represent my brand. I represent what my business stands for, clients that are a good fit, clients that may not be a great fit, how I treat my team. I always ask myself, does this align with my morals and my business morals. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that's great about entrepreneurship. There aren't the days where you're gritting your teeth because it's your job. Um, There's way more flexibility in being an entrepreneur. So that I'm going to do it my way is definitely something that I knew I wanted to do. In terms of things that I learned from the companies that I've worked for, Don't be afraid to risk. I've seen companies that were a little afraid to do something different than what they've always done, or they always tried to play it safe. And I've also learned that investing in new ideas and systems is inevitable. Mm -hmm. In order to get to, in order to be successful, it's something you're going to have to continuously do. And I think that's a lesson that works well for my business. I know that I just can't stay in one place where I start that I always have to do something new, introduce new process, new systems. And if I want to continue to grow and scale.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think that's really important to keep in mind too, because I think people spend a lot of time thinking about like systems and processes when they're first setting up something new, like either first setting up the business or starting a new cert, like a new offering or something like that. And then can kind of like get into this mindset of thinking, well, that's the way I do things now. And that's something I find too, that just in the journey of like building, like trying to build and grow a business, like you have to like almost be constantly updating those things, constantly going back to the processes and figuring out what's actually, okay, but what works now? Like what's going to work better for the next couple months to make sure that we're still getting better and like growing and not just kind of sticking with this routine because it's working now. And then like realizing a year from now that we're just still in the same place we were a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's awesome. So when it comes to marketing, I want to like, I want to dig down into, into some of that stuff a little bit. First of all, I want to ask, and this might be a hard question. I'm curious if you have an answer, like what's your favorite part of marketing in general of like being a marketer of working with clients and and helping to market them? Like, is there, is there one piece of it that's like the best thing for you?
1: Yes. It's, it's, I got cheat answer because it answered that Covers so many different things. It's that it's always different. Every single day, mm-hmm. I'm going to see something new, experience something new. As businesses change, consumers change too. So I'm not only looking at a specific business or an industry, I'm also looking at consumers and what our behaviors are and what our expectations are are now with how we just live day to day. And that's something that allows you to always have to be current and fresh within the industry. And it's so, it's something that I love because I feel as though I'm always challenged. I'm always learning something new. I always get to test dance I always get to test and introduce new numbers to my spreadsheet and new creative and new and new copy it's it's different every
0: day Mm -hmm. that's my answer No, that's a good answer. I think that totally, that's not a cheat answer. That totally counts. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, I think it makes sense. I think, yeah, like it's just constantly moving. Right. And I think that's what can be overwhelming, a little like daunting to some people, especially like people who hire you probably is like, it's hard to keep up because it is always changing. Like the tactics are always changing. Best practices are always changing. And as you said, like consumers are changing the people you're reaching are it's always different. That's what it can be. That's why people need you, right? Yeah, part of the reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you feel like is, uh, what are the things that people are doing wrong with marketing? Like, do you think that it's kind of uh, related to that? Like people have trouble keeping up with stuff or they're, or they're like just kind of trying to be like cookie cutter. Like, oh, I saw that, you know, my competitor does this. So I feel like I need to do that or things like that. Or is there anything that you feel like people are just n- missing the mark with when it comes to marketing in general? Yeah,
1: it... It varies. It can range from just lack of consistency of doing something here and there. It's not having a plan or being strategic about what your marketing and branding efforts may include. When you're not patient with those initiatives, it takes a good amount of time to really tell if something is working or not working. Yeah. I think that sometimes there are unrealistic expectations that, oh, if I do this for one week, two weeks, three weeks, people yeah. are going to be banging down my door. And I'm going to shut down the internet. But no, that's that's not the case. It it varies. There are a lot of different things that people can do wrong. That one of the things that you mentioned, just looking at competitors and just doing what they're doing, that's not going to work. <laughs> there's a different audience, there's a different budget, there are different resources, they have different positioning. Marketing's not one size fits all. And I think that a lot of people approach
0: it as if it is. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a huge misconception and misstep. Yeah, no, I think that totally makes sense. And that's like, I think a good, um, segue, like, I want to really uh, ask you a lot more about the numbers thing. Cause I feel like that's, I mean, I feel like that's one thing that kind of sets you apart maybe a little bit more as like a marketing person. Not that, I mean, I think, I think a lot of marketers understand, of course, that like numbers are important that like you have to try things, test things, get some data and like know what you're working with. But I also think it's something that gets overlooked a lot, especially maybe when people don't hire like an outside marketing consultant and like businesses or brands are doing their own marketing. Like I feel like it's easy to kind of just kind of do things and not necessarily have great systems in place for actually measuring. Um, I mean, and I could be wrong. I'm curious to hear what you think, but, and, and this kind of goes back to like what you said about, it takes time, of course, and like it's not going to be a week of doing something to see results. So, I guess kind of my two part first, my question is to go back to that. Do you have any kind of like, of course, knowing it's different with every client and depending on what you're doing, but is there any kind of set timeline where you're like, you know what, you should try this for like a month before you kind of review it? Or you should probably try this for like three months before you review it when it comes to certain like pieces of the strategy. And as part two of the question, like, can we dive into like what kind of numbers you find the most important, what, how people should be using those in order to actually make sure what they're doing makes sense?
1: Sure. So I'm, I'm probably going to forget part two Sorry, I know,
0: that's like a long <laughs> by minute. the
1: time I finished answering part one, no worries. Um, but a magic number in a perfect world, you'd have three months worth that's in a perfect world. Typically, within about three weeks, I usually have a gut instinct as to how things will perform or change or any type of trends. But within that first three weeks, I don't touch anything. But that remaining time, I may make a small tweak here and there if something's definitely rising to the top. And when I say small, small is in, it will not impact what it is exactly that we're measuring. Um, but in a perfect world, three months is ideal because you have a good set of numbers to evaluate success. A great example of that is I live in Texas. in February, Everything shut down. The power, like there was no electricity. Uh, people didn't have heat, power. Everyone was just in place without electricity. Yeah. I so see. for the month of February, for Texas, I can't use that data because for your social campaigns, people aren't on social the same way. For your emails, uh, emails had to stop because people weren't opening emails, their priorities were different. That was about two weeks of data that I can't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. Had been, okay, we're just watching this for a month. You can't really gauge success when something out of the norm has happened. Um, Same during election season, where people are paying attention to different things, media starts to become way more expensive So your ROI, it's harder if you wait because you're just paying more because there are more people crowding the space at that time. Different industries, it varies holiday season. If you're in retail, same thing goes for that.
0: That was a very long answer. No, I think <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, um, always, there's always things going on, right? There's always like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of the year there's abnormal things happening. So you have to be aware of that and be paying attention to like, yeah. when you actually use the data when it might not make sense and not get discouraged if something like that is happening. Cause I do feel like that happens with clients sometimes too, right? They're like, well, we've been doing it for a month and like we don't really know if it's working and you have to be like, well, that's because nobody in Texas was online that month because right. <laughs> everything was shut down. Like you you have to keep those things in mind and I feel like sometimes clients like don't really think about it that way. So, it yeah. is important yeah. to to think about and what kind of um like what would you do if you're like, okay, it's been 3 months and you know, the numbers aren't really showing. Well, first of all, let's dive in. Like, I don't know if this is too much, too like specific for you to think about off the top of your head, but like for someone who's listening to this and they're like, okay, but like, what are we talking about here? Like, I wouldn't even know what numbers we're thinking about. <laughs> like, can we use it, do an example of like, maybe if it's like, what are some of the things you look at? Like, like for an email campaign, like email opens, how many people are on the email list? for social campaigns, like how many people are viewing something, how many people are taking action on something? Like what are some of the most important numbers for like, maybe, you know, you don't have to tell us the specifics, but maybe like one of the clients that you're working with right now.
1: Sure. So the numbers to pay attention to should directly relate to what your overall business goals are. Mm -hmm. So if you want to drive more people to your website to book a one-on-one consultation Mm -hmm. and that's your overall business goal, then with email, you need to look at your click-through rates rather than your open rates. It doesn't matter if they opened it. You want them to click and get to your website and then book that one-on-one consultation. So it's the numbers that are closer to the bottom of the funnel that should carry the most weight. Yeah, Um, That's an example with email. But if it's social, your content that you're posting, what type of content is getting more people to your website so that you have a high chance of booking that one-on-one call? So numbers to focus on should always tie into how far people are down your funnel and the actual goals of your business.
0: Yes. I feel like people sometimes get caught up in numbers of followers or how many people are on the email list or even how many people open the email. And it's kind of like that doesn't really. It doesn't matter if you have a million people on your email list, if only 30 of them are opening, or it doesn't That's matter right. if only 30 people are opening, if 20 of them are booking that call or, are, you know, are, are making the clicks that you need that are, you know, they're interested in booking that call. That's a lot more important than how many people are opening or how many people are actually on the list. And having a big list isn't really that helpful if they're not taking the actions that you want. Correct
1: and once if, if they aren't taking the actions that you want then you just back out and start focusing on and I'm going to give an example and start focusing on those numbers so if if you want people to book that one-on-one call people land on your website but aren't booking then figure out what's happening when they get to your website if people are opening your email but not clicking to get to your website then figure out why people aren't clicking. If no one's opening your email, you gotta figure out why people are opening your email. Right. So of- you you yeah, it's yeah, it's paying attention to the numbers that are going to get you closer to your end goal. I always have clients start with a goal. If you're not starting with a goal, all of your efforts just being willy-nilly, that's how you. That's how you go down the path of wasting time and effort and resources and focusing on things that don't really matter at the end of the day.
0: Right. And because at the end of the day, people want to see that what they're doing is resulting in more money, right? Or like more (laughs) people who are actually interested in taking part in their business in some way that's going to help their, their business grow. So if they can, if you can do like the emails and that's getting people to book a call but you're also spending time on social media and like nobody's really clicking to the website from there. It's like is that really worth the time and effort or right. be putting, you know, a fraction of the of the time into that and just have that as, you know, it's still there if somebody's going to seek you out that way, but knowing that that's not actually where people are coming from to become a client is really valuable information to have.
1: Exactly focus your attention on what's going to actually drive
0: more revenue or whatever it is that your
1: business focuses on.
0: So if you find that like, okay, one of these things isn't working or like the numbers aren't matching up, it seems like people are opening emails, but not clicking. Do you kind of try to go kind of like, okay, what like a a drastic route of like figuring out what, you know, let's try something totally different or do you kind of try to tweak something small here and there and give it like 30 more days to see what happens? Do you have any kind of like general strategy around that? Yes, I do have an answer, a more general answer.
1: And it's going to be test, tweak, reset, refine. It's just a matter of how drastic that's going to be based on what that business's current situation is, if I know that, okay, your brand is not apparent here, you're not speaking directly to your audience's need, some of those things can be more of a bigger test change or improvement. But if it's just something minor, minor, we'll want to start there rather than doing anything earth shattering.
0: Yeah. I think that's, and that can be the tricky part, right? That's probably why people hire you. (laughs) That's why people need like a consultant, someone who kind of gets the strategy. So you kind of have like a gut instinct of like, let's try tweaking this, right? Or like like what might make the, the difference or just kind of like taking a deeper dive into like how things on the website are working or something in order to be like, you know, this might be something that's tripping people up or that's not drawing people in the way that it could or something like that.
1: Yeah. And, and I guess that would be the last recommendation. Hire a marketing consultant. Have someone come in and really dive into what you're doing, what you've been doing, where you want to go and diagnose what it is that your business needs to move forward.
0: Yeah, it can be a lot easier to see that from the outside, I guess, than from the inside, especially when people kind of like get really attached to either the things they've done or some, certain things that they maybe have created in the past or different, some, certain ways, something's worded in their materials and somebody from coming in from the outside can be like, well, it doesn't actually make as much sense as you thought it did when you first put it together or something like that, right? Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better.
1: There have been times where business owners may be super attached to what they think they know or what someone else told them worked for them, they can get really attached to that. I always say numbers are going to tell the truth. There's numbers are black and white. There's no emotion behind it. So even if I come in with my years of experience and say, hey, this isn't working, I can always rely on the numbers to say, and here's why. This is what studies show. This is what your audience should be doing to really clear up any misconceptions about what a business owner may have a
0: hard time with letting go of. Yeah, that's a really good point. Cause they're, they can love something as much as they want, but if you're like, yes, but yeah, no, I'm clicking on that part, it's like, what can they do? <laughs> they can't feel like, oh, I still want to keep it. If they know that they want those clicks. So I feel like in one of the is like that one of the most important things you do when you start working with a client in terms like kind of setting up like a some kind of dashboard of like these are the numbers we're gonna keep track of, these are what we kind of need to, to start out if they have been keeping track of any numbers, or you kind of have to set up which things you're gonna be kind of tracking and getting that all organized so you can show how things are changing over time.
1: Yes. I I always have a spreadsheet, always there's always a spreadsheet involved. It's me, your business, and this spreadsheet that right. are going to get it done. <laughs> but when working with a client, sometimes it depends on where I come in in their journey. Mm-hmm. So if they're just starting out, I'm going to make sure that what we're doing makes sense for your business. If I'm coming in and troubleshooting I still do that, especially if if I immediately know, hey, we're totally missing the mark here. So the things that you've told me about who your audience is, what you represent, how you want your brand to be positioned is not aligning with the research that I've done about what the behaviors of your audience is, the perceptions of your brand. And we've got to get those things to align. And now we're going to measure the success
0: with numbers. Mm, Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like, um, yeah, it's like, you can't, you just can't argue about the numbers. So I think that (laughs) makes a lot of sense. The data is so, so important. And I feel like if there's one thing we can have people take away from this conversation, it's like, Start, you know, if you're a small business owner and you're doing this yourself right now, if you don't have somebody helping with marketing, like at least set up a spreadsheet, right? At least start just making sure you're actually tracking the numbers month to month and not just kind of being like, okay, well, seems a little bit better than like seems higher than last month. Or I know we got, you know, three calls booked, but actually track that and look at it. Like what, do you look at it every month or do you look at it like even every week, like different numbers? I know it probably depends on like what exactly you're tracking, but. It depends. I personally
1: can obsess over numbers. So there are times where I'm looking at something once or twice a day just to see like where we're going, what we're doing. Mm -hmm. For the client, I'm either giving overall reporting once or twice a month. And that's just high level view. I make it easily digestible for them. Mm -hmm. So I'll have my spreadsheet, crunch all the numbers, and then I'll translate what it all means as to if people are coming to your website, why they came in, what we did, what we said, what the initiatives may have been, any types of recommendations or opportunities that come up from present reporting that I put
0: together. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's so smart. To, I mean, like obviously that's just how marketing like works. Um, like that's what makes it actually work. But I just also love it as like, you know, as for yourself as a as a, the business owner, it's like you can so clearly point to like the return on their investment in you. Like you can see this many more people have like become a customer since we started doing this, and you can see this many more people have come to your website since you started working with me. It's almost like a monthly. Reminder of like how much impact you're having on their business, yeah. Which I yeah. just love because there's nothing. It does that too. <laughs> well, oh, know, you know, I don't know if like what we're doing, if, like you know, what you're doing so far is helpful, or I don't know if it's like doing anything for my business. Like you can be like, well, actually, you can see exactly what's happening. Yeah, so I love that.
1: I I don't know if I've ever thought of it that way. I guess the numbers of my report card as well. It's yeah. hey. I'm doing stuff.
0: (laughs) Well, I think about it sometimes because, um, I mean, so besides doing this podcast, my day job is I run a PR agency and it's a lot harder, I think, sometimes to track some of the numbers on the things that we do um, because, you know, securing an article in a publication doesn't necessarily mean that like you're going to get a bunch of people clicking to the website that day, but people might see it like three months from now, you know, and then click to the website and we, you it's hard to track that. So I sometimes, you know, I think a lot about like what kind of numbers are important for us. And, um, and sometimes I think a lot about how much easier it would be to show a report of like, here's exactly what happened from the things that we did for you this month. And we can't always show like numbers for all of that. So I do think about that sometimes (laughs) on my end. But shifting gears a little, um yeah, it's what, it's um,
1: go ahead. I was going to say it's interesting with numbers sometimes because you can't really see it. When you were saying that about your day job or your PR work, I had a client that was sending out direct mail that was a bit harder to track, and mm-hmm. we stopped sending that direct mail to a particular client. And sure enough, sales from that client dropped out over time. And it was numbers that were about brand awareness Mm -hmm. rather than actual revenue. So once we pulled that initiative longer top of mind and saw that show eventually in the numbers. But yeah, that's a that's a an example of how there can sometimes be something that you're doing in terms of marketing or branding that you can't put a super hard number to, but in the long run, you'll start to see the impact of it.
0: Right. And that had, yeah, it had like a longer term impact and you had, you would only know that because you'd been tracking the numbers over time. So yes. that's kind of all circles back, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, that's great that you could still kind of find that out and realize, yeah, there's that, there's a lot to be said for just like branding and staying top of mind and, and yeah, just building that brand. And it does, yeah, you can see how it does make people actually purchase more later on or spend more when they do purchase things like that, but it can be hard, harder to kind of make that direct correlation. So, yeah, yeah. I want to hear a little more about like your business. Um, and I always ask people, what is one thing that you wish we had known more about when you first started your business? Obviously it's interesting to go out on your own. So what's one thing you wish you had known more about when you first started your business?
1: One thing that I wish that I had known more of, I think that I was one of those people that first year entrepreneurship. I was a little paranoid about what the end of the year. Uh, so I, pro- I just like, okay, it's reporting time. Like, how, where will I, am I going to do? Um, I wish that I had gotten an accountant earlier mm. rather than waiting till the end of year one because I, I wouldn't have been, I probably would have made a, made a few decisions that were probably could have served me a bit better. I will say, not something that I wish that I knew more of. One of the things I feel like I was super fortunate to have was just my network of business BFFs. The people that I could, who are entrepreneurs that I can say, hey, what do you know about this? Or what hurdles did you incur So I can then avoid those. Yeah, Just people to lean on and sound off with and get their opinion and advice. That's been super beneficial
0: for me. Totally. I love that. That's like the whole premise of why I started this podcast, because that's what I also wished for. So I appreciate that a lot. Um, And is there anything that you would want to share with other entrepreneurs as they're going along their journey, like any bit of actual advice or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I see, I see fairly often, especially for new business owners, solopreneurs, they come to me and they've probably taken way too long to realize that, well, it's their own journey. It's taken them a while to realize that, hey, I need to get help with this. So one piece of advice that I would definitely give is don't go at it alone. Um, i always say just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should mm-hmm. so ask the person that it's their area of expertise rather than trying to figure it out i always say like if there's something wrong with my car i don't try to figure it out or change my brakes or change my tire or do anything i just take it in for service save myself time i'm not going to break anything i've got peace of mind that my wheel isn't going to fall off driving down the middle of the highway. It's the same thing for business. Just get someone that knows to advise you, point you in the right direction at least.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good advice. That's Well, that's great. Thank you so much. Uh, can, you, can you tell people where they can find you online if they want to find out more information about you or connect online or anything like that? Sure. Uh, my website is
1: defostermarketing.com and I'm across all social platforms at defostermarketing. And you can find me on LinkedIn, which is actually my
0: social media platform of choice. Okay. On P Foster. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on today, Don. I think this is, I hope if nothing else, I got people to really think about um, numbers when it comes to marketing and how they can be more efficient and effective in their efforts. So thank you so yeah. much for sharing all of that.
1: No problem. My pleasure. I always enjoy breaking things down and making it easier to understand because as you mentioned before, sometimes it can feel overwhelming if it's not what you focus on.
0: Yeah, totally. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast so you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes so other people will be able to find us easily. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you heard on this show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes. If you have questions or ideas for a future episode, or you want to submit a guest or to see those show notes, you can do all of that online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. One other thing, join other listeners on Facebook and Instagram by searching female millennial entrepreneurs and joining us there. Talk to you soon and see you there.